Okay, let's get it. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. Big surprise for the Tigers as Michael Divinity returns to the practice field. We'll let you hear from Ed Ogeron from his weekly press luncheon. And the basketball Tigers are back on the floor tonight against the biggest giant killer of them all in the history of college basketball. So that's all coming up here in the next 20 minutes or so. Let me start with what is the biggest news. Uh, the week before the Alabama game, leading up to the Alabama game, LSU senior linebacker Michael Divinity left the LSU football team and uh, went to social media, talked about uh, personal reasons, and it appeared as though for the senior linebacker that his time at LSU would be over. Now, I did ask Ed Ogeron at his press luncheon leading up to the Alabama game about Divinity and said that the door would be open for Divinity to return. Uh, well, that apparently uh, is a door that Michael Divinity walked through on Monday. The senior linebacker was back wearing his number 45 jersey at Monday's walkthrough at LSU football practice. Well, on Tuesday morning, Ed Ogeron was a guest on Off the Bench with Jordy Collada and T-Bob Bear. And they asked about Divinity. Yeah, we love Michael being back on the team. Michael's a, a great member of our football team. He brings a lot of energy. Uh, brings a lot of things to our practice. Uh, he's still unable to play, but he's able to practice with the football team as of now. So Divinity uh, missed two of the first three games of the season because of what was termed at the time coaches' decisions. And I think at this point now we all understand what coaches decisions are it's the same coaches decisions that have kept Sadiq Charles out and we'll keep Sadiq Charles out again this week and for what is going to amount to a half season suspension that nobody that while I understand the coaches and players won't say it openly I think we all readily understand what's happening here that they violated certain university or athletic department policy and they're being withheld so, you know, I think it's simple math with Divinity. If you know, Michael Divinity is serving a half-season suspension the same way that, say, Sadiq Charles is, at this point when you get into November of uh, someone's senior season, if you got to serve a half-season suspension, well, your season's over, your career's over. So that seems pretty obvious until you start to do the math on Divinity potentially. You know, this is a guy who, if you missed the Bama game, and obviously already missed Ole Miss, if he misses A&M and Arkansas, that's four. Potentially, could he miss the SEC championship and a semifinal game but be available for the national championship? That would be a, a six-game suspension. And then theoretically, he could be back for the, the championship game in his hometown in New Orleans if that's how it all plays out. That's a lot of ifs, and I want to be very clear about that. Uh, these aren't things that I think are – are given. They're certainly not been confirmed, but absent of someone at LSU discussing it, if we're going to throw out these hypotheticals, those are things that I would say you got to consider as a, a possibility at this point. So divinity back practicing, that would suggest that, you know, and maybe, maybe it's simply a, a situation where here's a guy who's in his last season at, at LSU. He won't be able to play anymore, but he wants to be on the team as part of a team that potentially is going to win a national championship and win an SEC championship and wants to finish it as best he can the right way, and I, I applaud him for that. Uh, however it plays out, 
for Mike Divinity at this point. The bottom line is here's a guy that uh, is was gone. He's a senior now back with the team practicing, and we'll see if at some point he's able to contribute any more than he has. I mean, it's worth noting that you know, Divinity in limited playing time, having played just five games this year, five of the ten, uh, 23 tackles, four for loss, and three sacks. I mean, he is a, a three additional quarterback hurries. He's got a forced fumble. When he's in the game, he's a versatile chess piece. And if they can get him back to, to any degree uh, this year, you absolutely would take it. So we'll keep you posted on that. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. Uh, Ed Ogeron recapping Ole Miss, previewing Arkansas. We'll hear from the coach next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Rolling along here, Locked On LSU, your team every day. Ed Ogeron met with the media on Monday, and a large part of the conversation was recapping a what was a poor second-half defensive performance against Ole Miss. But something that we saw Ed Ogeron, heard Ed Ogeron do, is actually praise his team uh, after the game, and explain why. You know, I kind of I try to see the feeling of the football team, and uh, I knew they were a little disappointed. And I think I'd have just added fuel to the fire there. I thought they needed to be picked up a little bit and to compliment them on a win and not take for granted winning. And, um, you know, we've been on some other teams that might have went there and not, not played so well and might not have won that game and had a hangover. I didn't think we had a hangover. I thought we played well in the first half. I think they made some plays. I think we didn't have some answers on those plays. I think that's what it was. But I wanted to give them confidence how much I believe in them. You know, I think that answer right there is an amazing sign of Ed Ogeron's maturity as a head coach. Hey, look, he's a grown man. I don't mean to, to be dismissive in any way. I think you understand what I'm saying. But even if you just trace back you know, two years in 2017 after the Troy loss when Ed was criticized for going to the podium and calling Nick Brissett a third-string running back, and then at the start of the 2018 season, it, there was the good, not great comment about Brissett. And I think a, a part of, of what we're seeing unfold here and why so much is working for this team, it's because Ed Ogeron understands his team, and I think he understands not only his team, but his players, his coaching staff. I, I've talked about it really since SEC media days where you know my comment then was I think for the first time Ed Ogeron looked comfortable as the LSU head coach, as LSU head coach Ed Ogeron. He looked very comfortable in that role he wasn't trying to be something he's not or trying to reach a certain standard or feeling the pressure and the weight of expectations. He looked very comfortable, and I think that comfort has allowed him to be very much himself and influence the way that he's coached. He, it very much more resembles the, the guy who many fell in love with as the interim head coach who was loose and brought a lot of energy and excitement to the team. He's been able to do that and replicate that now for a 10-game season here over 12 weeks so far, which is why I think you've seen everything work from 
the decision to go forward on third and 17 against Texas to, you know, pulling up a little bit late in the game against Auburn and rely on your defense. It and, and to now, you know, the having the awareness not to go after his team, but recognize this is a moment where you had to lift them up because they were disappointed here. But this was Jacoby Stevens on Monday talking about you know, two days later, his disappointment in the defensive performance against Ole Miss. I was embarrassed for LSU defense. I was embarrassed for the. I was embarrassed for LSU. I mean, we defensive-wise, we didn't put out a great, a great representation of how we practice and how we play. We, we didn't. We just didn't do that. And you'd better believe that the onus is going to be on this defense to come out Saturday night in Tiger Stadium and be aggressive and put their thumb on a pretty bad Arkansas team and just not let them up. And I, I think you're going to see a very good defensive performance this week against a very bad Arkansas team, especially with LSU locked in and focused after the second half against Ole Miss. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Grant Delpit, uh, who's been playing with a, a bum ankle since the end of the Auburn game. But here was Ogeron talking about how they've handled the uh, the Delpit situation. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's tough when he doesn't practice all week. I don't, I don't know if many players would have played against Alabama if Grant wanted to play. And, uh, and he, I thought he did well. And obviously that ankle is very sore. And uh, not getting reps hurts sometimes. Uh, making tackles in open space hurts sometimes because he can't bend or run like he wants to. But he's playing. Uh, we're going to give him a couple of days off this week. And hopefully he can get healthy for this weekend. That puts a lot into perspective considering some of the criticism that some have lobbied or lobbed against Grant Delpit, who's a sensational player, but clearly has been hobbled by that ankle. Ed was also asked if they plan on resting Delpit this weekend. Well, first of all, with Grant, I rely totally on Jack Maruccio. I think he's the best in the business. He gives me a report every day. I let the coaches coach, doctors be doctors, and he tells me what they can do. And he says, Coach, he needs a rest. I'm going to rest him. He's like, Coach, he, he's going to play. He needs to play. We're going to play him, and I'm going to talk to Grant. What happens is I talk to the trainer, then I talk to the player. I said, the trainer says you can go. Can you go? So yeah, so that's why we put him in. So if Grant needs rest this weekend, we'll give him rest. Yeah, and one other thing here too, which I didn't even realize during the game, but not only with Delpit's injury, but just something we've talked about this season is the general lack of depth on that defense in the secondary in particular, where you've got Christian Fulton and every other cornerback you have is a true freshman. Well, not only that, but it's impacted the defense even beyond the cornerback spot when you talk about the lack of depth in the secondary right now. Plays a lot when you see Cordell Flott playing safety as a freshman corner playing safety. He never played that position before, not much anyway. So we were having to move corners to safety position. Uh, we can't be as multiple as we want to want to be. We uh, even thought about moving a couple of receivers off over to safety. Uh, I asked them; they didn't want to. They obviously, they wanted to stay on uh, at wide receiver position. But was, who were who some of those wide receivers? You think? Of? Well, I'm not going to say that. But I, I, I'd <laughs> ask a couple of them. It was it wasn't number one. I'm promising them. But that does kind of underscore part of the issue. Even at a place like DBU, depth has been difficult. And that's what happens when you have guys leave early for the draft or you have attrition through transfers. When you think about, you know, Manny Netherly leaving and then, you know, of course, at the beginning of the season when Kelvin Joseph left the program and transferred to Kentucky. So, I mean, that, that's going to make you thin in numbers. And it certainly has for LSU, but they've managed. And because this 
has been offset by an historic offense, LSU keeps trucking along. And I suspect they'll do it this week and next week as well and set up a pretty big game in Atlanta, December the 7th against the Bulldogs. Uh, one more thing from Ed Ogeron, which was interesting, in light of what was the biggest story in college football this weekend with uh, Tua's injury, Ed was asked if that injury might influence how he decides how long he'll keep his starters, namely Joe Burrow in a game. You know, you hate to – I said it at halftime, and I feel bad that I said it. The lady asked me a question, and you know me, I'm going to tell how I feel. If we'd have got up but one more touchdown, we was going to pull Joe. But I can't can't say this or that. I'd have pulled this guy, I wouldn't have pulled this guy. You just never know the circumstances and stuff like that. You know, but as soon as I can pull Joe and put Miles in, I'm going to do it. And my guess is uh, going against an Arkansas team that is absolutely dreadful, staring at its second uh, winless year in SEC play straight in the face consecutively, uh, you will have an opportunity to pull Joe Burrow early in this game. Or you can leave him in to pad his stats. Uh, Arkansas is allowing 446 yards a game, uh, 220 by pass, two, uh, 221 by pass, 225 on the ground. Uh, they're allowing 36 points a game. This is just a miserable Arkansas team that uh, has allowed at least 45 points in its last four games, 51 to Auburn, 48 to Bama, 54 to State, and 45 to Western Kentucky. LSU uh, should have every opportunity to steamroll Arkansas and get some guys rest. All right, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day. When we knock out our final break and come back, uh, LSU hoops back on the floor, and the hoop squad got a five-star signee on Monday. We'll tell you about him next. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Basketball Tigers are back on the floor tonight against uh, UMBC. That's Maryland-Baltimore County. If that sounds familiar, it should. Uh, two years ago in the NCAA tournament, UMBC, of course, became the first ever 16 seed to upset a one when they beat uh, for number one overall seed Virginia by 20 points. Of course, Virginia would come back uh, a season ago and win the national championship. But the UMBC Retrievers are 4-0 on this season as they come into the PMAC. Um, it's a bit deceptive because uh, UMBC has played uh, Valley Forge, Florida Gulf Coast. Um, I don't even know what some of these schools are. Uh, St. Mary's of Maryland, not St. Mary's, California, St. Mary's of Maryland, they played Georgian Court, G-E-O-R-G-I-N, Georgian Court, uh, beat them 60-48, to 48, uh, and now they play LSU. So they're 4-0, but the only the only program they play that you've ever heard of is, is Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast, who they beat by four in a low-scoring game, 65-61. Um, there's not a lot to talk about here. Uh, this is not a what looks like a great UMBC team. They uh, have one player returning from the team that upset Virginia a couple of years ago. They've got two junior forwards listed at 6'9 and 6'10, so they got a little bit of size, but neither one of those guys is a great scoring threat. 
Um, this just isn't going to be a game where LSU should struggle to win it, quite honestly. Uh, they've got uh, a guard named Darnell Rogers, who's 5'2", 150. So he's a small guy, but he scores 16 a game. So that's primarily where the offense is going to come from. But a, a, a small guard at 5'2". But man, the the only thing that I really care to see in this ball game is LSU cut down the turnovers. Like we talked about against uh, VCU, LSU allowed 37 points on 26 turnovers. They come back on Saturday against Nichols and turn it over 25 times. Just protect the basketball. Like that's that is clearly the area where you have got to work to improve, and that needs to be the emphasis today uh, when you uh, take on UMBC. Uh, the that's the the present. The future is also very bright. Last week, LSU inked two signees for the uh, the 2020 class, and on Monday they inked a third, and it was a big one. Five-star shooting guard Cam Thomas signed with the program. Will Wade, uh, speaking to the media on Monday, talked about his new assignee. He says we need to replace Skylar Mays. We need somebody who can really score, and he, he can certainly, certainly do that. He's the best scorer I've, I've seen come out of high school or AAU and since I've been coaching. I mean, he's as, he's as prolific a scorer as I've ever seen. So I, he's a tremendous kid, tremendous family. His mother, Leslie, is a great lady. Sister, Shanice, uh, just really, really good people. They've done a great job of putting him in positions to be successful and really locking in on on his development. I mean, his mom, it's very rare, and I mean, his mom works him out. His mom does the, is like his shooting coach. I mean, she's the one who finds the moves. I mean, she's in there rebounding for him. Rebounding for him is not very hard. He's got to stand under the net as they all go through. <laughs> stand under the net. Not like you got to chase him around the gym, but uh, we're very, very excited about Cam. He's we, we, we had really locked in on him, and we knew we needed a prolific scorer, and he's that in spades. Boot up, baby. Future is bright indeed on the hardwood at the Maravich Center. And uh, tonight, LSU and UMBC. Six o'clock tip for the Tigers and the Retrievers. You can watch that game on the SEC Network. And we'll be recapping it tomorrow on the Locked on LSU podcast. Also tonight, you'll have the new college football playoff rankings, so we'll lead with that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on LSU. We'll look for you then. Until then, Locked on LSU, your team every day.